Well, good morning. Good to see you this morning. Do you ever wonder why it is that just before that clock counts down that I come up here and smile into that camera? Did you ever think that maybe it's just Chris wanting to have something to remember me by every day? Because we do this every week. I don't know. No, it's just part of getting everything together. I want to apologize to some of you who are teachers that rely on the Internet, and our Internet was uh, flaky today. We have no idea why that is. Uh, I would entertain a motion to shoot the system um, at this time, if you would like to give one. If not, we'll call a tech tomorrow and see what we can do. I don't know about you, but I know this. I know that Almighty God who created every one of us, knows exactly where we are right now. He knows exactly what we feel. He knows that we all have a huge hole in our hearts that is shaped just like Dale Roach. But somehow, from the portals of glory, I hear a familiar voice that we all know saying, let not your hearts be troubled. So today we're going to remember, but we're going to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. And if the pastor was here, he'd tell you the same thing. It's not about me. We're here to celebrate the Lord Jesus today. And we're going to do that. Our choir is going to sing a song for you about being loved this morning. And Kim sings the solo.
Amen. Would you join us in singing this morning a familiar uh, hymn to begin with, Have Faith in God. Let's stand together as we sing this song in its entirety. Yes, 
this time, would you remain standing for the reading of the Word of God? And I want to ask the prettiest scripture reader I know to come and share. we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and yet doesn't keep his commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly in him the love of God is made complete. This is how we know we are in him. The one who says he remains in him should walk just as he did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old command that you've had from the beginning. The old command is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new command, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The one who says he is in the light, but hates his brother or sister, is in the darkness until now. The one who loves his brother or sister remains in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and he doesn't know where he's going because the darkness is blinded his eyes. Amen. You may be seated. Would you join me in prayer before we begin? Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for the fact that we serve a God that is faithful. We're thankful, Lord, that we serve a God that is good. And we thankful, we're thankful, Lord, that we serve a God that is merciful. We serve a God that is in control of all things. Lord, You saw this moment before even now. Lord, You've decreed for whatever reason that we be in this place at this time experiencing these things and feeling this way. But Lord, we know that You created each and every one of us that are here today for such a time as this. And Lord, I believe also that You divinely decreed that we be in this passage of Scripture this morning. And Lord, I pray that You would clarify our hearts and minds. Lord, we have heavy hearts today. Lord, I pray that You would give us peace. Help us, Lord, to just for a few minutes to focus upon Your Word. Help us, Lord, to see what's on Your mind for us today. And may it speak peace to our hearts. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Many years ago, probably when I was still a teenager... I picked up a small book and I read it. And the name of that book was In His Steps. Some of you may have read that book. It was published in 1896. And In His Steps is a Christian novel. And there's been over 50 million copies of that novel 
sold around the world. Many of you have probably seen throughout the years different ones wear bracelets that says, what would Jesus do? Now, I don't know that that is where that saying or that question originated, but that's what that book is all about. It's about a story of a pastor in a little church that stood up one day and he challenged his people to take or to make a commitment or a covenant with one another for an entire year before they did anything in life. They would ask the question, what would Jesus do? Those people took that challenge in that book or that fictitious story is about that town and how that small little group of people in that church grew. The number of people in the church grew and, that, and God sent revival there in that town only because they had committed to do what Jesus would have them to do. Only because of the fact that they had committed to whatever situation that they were in before they responded to it, before they took action to ask what Jesus would do in that moment. That truth kind of echoes in this passage of Scripture as we read it today. I want to bring your attention to verse number 6. At the very end of verse number 6, it says, Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. As we look at 1 John, I want you to realize that as we continue through the book, you're going to see certain themes over and over again. The first two words in my translation of Scripture here this morning in these verses that we're looking at in verse number 3, it starts out with, we know. I'm thankful that as Christians there are some things that we can know. I'm thankful for the fact that as our pastor in the early morning hours on Saturday morning, when he passed from this life into the next, I know as a Christian that as he opened his eyes, and very few times over the past several weeks had he opened his eyes, but as he opened his eyes, I believe that he opened them up in glory and his faith had become sight. I believe that he was looking in the very eyes of the one that had created him, the very eyes of the one that called him, the very eyes of the one that he had served for so many years faithfully. There are things as Christians that we know. We as Christians can live life with certainty. And I'm here today to tell you that as John wrote this passage of Scripture, there were some things that he wanted us to know. And the very most important thing that he wanted us to know and that he was addressing here was the fact that we know Christ. And he gives different birthmarks or different tests for whether or not we do truly know Him. And as you go through This epistle here, you see those same things listed over and over again. There's three things that as I read and I studied this passage of Scripture and I studied this book, I remember reading in the Christ-centered exposition commentaries there and and different ones had had written in that commentary. And they mentioned three things and they posed them by way of questions. And the first one was, do I believe the right things about Jesus? That's a theological test. Last week when we looked at this passage of Scripture, John opened up the epistle and he tells us who Jesus is. He made a defense of the fact that Jesus was the very Son of God who was equal to God. 
He made a defense of the fact that yet he was the son, yet he was the son of God. He was also human and he came and he had dwelt among us. So the first test is a theological test. And we looked at that last week. And as we begin in verse number three this week, we're going to look at the other two tests that John shares over and over again. The second one is, do I obey the commands of God? That's a moral test. As we look at this passage of Scripture today, we're going to deal with that question. And we're going to see that John is specifically saying that if you are a believer, the way that you know that you are a believer is because you're obedient to the Lord. The third test we're going to look at a little further down. And that test is, do I love others? That's an ethical test. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, you're going to also have to struggle with that question. Do we love each other? Do we love our neighbor as ourselves? So as we look at this passage of Scripture, let's look at these verses. And I I want you to remember this. As we consider this passage, these are not certain conditions as to whether or not you are a Christian. You don't have to meet these conditions to be a Christian or to know God. We know that Boltman said this as I was reading. Boltman makes the valuable point that the writer of this suggests that certain conditions, does not suggest that certain conditions have to be fulfilled before a person can come to know God. Obeying God's commands is not the condition, but rather the characteristic of the knowledge of God. It's not a condition to know God, but the reality is that if you do know Him, this will be characteristic of you. If you do know Him, you will be obedient to His command. If you do know Him, you will love others. In verse number 3 it says, I know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys His word, love for God is truly made complete... In them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus did. You know, this passage of Scripture here makes it very clear that if we know the Lord, then we are concerned with what the Lord commands. John is very, very, very pointed. And the fact that he tells us that if we are not obedient to the Lord's command, then we're a liar. That one that claims to know him that is not obedient, we're a liar. And the truth is not in us. You know, it troubles me sometimes that I try to share the gospel with someone or I try to speak to someone about their spiritual condition. And it's very obvious that they are not living according to the Lord's command. They don't care about what Jesus cares about. There's nothing in them that claims to be living in Him, but the reality is that they're not living like Jesus. It never comes to their mind to ask what Jesus would do. And as I look at that person, and, they, and hey, look, I cannot see into that individual's heart, but what I realize is this, I have a deep desire to share the gospel with them, and I have a deep desire for them to have a true relationship with the Lord. And when they look at me and they say, oh, no, I... I I know the Lord, I I do that. There's something in me that is grieved and I say, yeah, but you don't act like it. You don't care about what Jesus 
cares about. And John is giving a a warning here today and he's saying, hey, look, he's speaking to people. Like I said last week, some of these people did not believe that Jesus was the son of God. They saw him as simply a man and they did not want to make him equal with God. But then there were others in this group or in this crowd that, hey, look, they were fine with accepting the fact that Jesus was God. But they refused to believe the fact that Jesus was physical, that he was a physical being. And those individuals were more more pagan in their outlook. And they didn't care about righteous living. They didn't care about being obedient to the commands of God. And when John writes here, he says, hey, look, you can't name the name of Christ. You cannot claim to know him and not have a desire to be obedient to him. The second thing here is we go further on in verse number five. It says, but if any obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. He says, hey, as we are obedient to God, the love of God, love for God, is truly made complete in them. Some people have looked at this and they've talked about how that we can reach some type of sinless perfection. And I'm glad that's not true. John has already told us in the verses above in chapter number one, the fact that we can't we are not without sin. There's none of us who can say that we are without sin. But the reality is, is that as we are obedient to the Lord, if we know him, we're obedient to him. We obey his commands, then we will be complete in our love for him. We will mature in our love for Him. We will become more like Him. That's the interesting thing about our Christian walk. We know Him. We obey Him. Our love is perfected. But the reality is, too, it's kind of circular because it can go back the other way, too. As our love is perfected for Him, we are more obedient to, uh, of what He says to us and has, uh, has for us to do. And as we are more obedient for Him, Let me tell you this, the benefit of service is growth. And as we are obedient to Him and as we grow in Him, we know Him more and more. And John says, hey look, as you are obedient to Him, your love for God matures and becomes more complete. In verse number 7, it says, Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in Him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. This seems to be Somewhat confusing how John says here, this is an old command, but then he turns around and he says, this is a new command. And as you study this passage of scripture and you see what different ones say about this, some people believe that he's referring to the fact that it's an old command because from the very beginning of Christianity, Jesus gave this command to have love for others. But yet it was a new command in that Jesus showed us, showed it to us in a different way. Even Jesus Himself in John 13, verses 34 through 35, He says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, Jesus said, he said, hey, look, I'm giving you a new commandment. He said, you're supposed to love one another. Some people believe that this was just that he wanted them to come to a fresh understanding of this and see this anew again. There's also those, and this is what I kind of lean towards, the fact that this was an old command and that you saw this from the beginning. The reality is that even in the Old Testament, we were not supposed to steal. We were not supposed to kill. We were not supposed to covet that that others had. In reality, what he was telling us was, is, well, you just have to love each other. And when Jesus comes, he turns it in a different way. And he just flat out tells us, you need to love one another. And the reality is, is that as we love one another, other people know that we are His disciples. Why do they know that? Because He loved others. He modeled that throughout His Christian ministry. As we look here, He makes it very clear. He tells them in verse 8, Yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in Him and in you. Because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. If you read in John chapter number 1, in the gospel that John had written, I believe that he, read, he wrote that prior to writing this. And the truth is, is that when he speaks of Jesus there, he speaks about Him and says that He is the true light. And John refers to the fact that, hey, the true light has already been revealed. The darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. But there's also some future implications here when we think about this. Not only was he bringing it to their attention that the true light had already entered into the world and that darkness was being extinguished, but he's also pointing out the fact that we are supposed to carry that light with us. There's a little children's song that this reminds me of. I'm going to do something that I I do not do. It's amazing how sometimes the Lord makes us swallow our words. I was at a wedding yesterday, and someone looked at me. They were playing some music, and someone looked at me, and they said, Do you sing too? And I said, No, I do not. I said, I have throughout my entire life. I said, But I do not now. And the Lord, as I was looking at this early this morning, He said, You remember that song? It goes like this. I want you to sing it with me. This little light of mine... I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. That's what John is reminding these people about. He's telling them, he's saying, look, this very light that has entered into the world you're supposed to take it out into the world. And you're supposed to let your light shine. As little children, we used to sing, hiding under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine. That's what John is bringing to their attention here as he writes this. As you go to verse number 9, it says this, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Here's the test. Here's the ethical test. He says, are you in the light? 
He says the reality is is that someone who does not love their brother or sister, someone who hates their brother or sister, that person is still in darkness. Verse number 10, it says, Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. When you hear that phrase there, that there is nothing in them that will make them stumble. When we think of stumbling in Scripture... That stumbling there refers to falling into sin. That stumbling there refers to falling into apostasy. And what John is saying here, he's saying this, he says, look, if you're obedient to the Lord's command, and you love the Lord and you love the people of God, he says, you will not stumble. Because you're walking in the light. There's been a few times in my life, and I'm sure... Some of you have had this experience where I've gotten up in darkness. And this is what John continues to say in verse number 11. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. There's a couple of times where I've gotten up in darkness. And to be absolutely honest with you, it's interesting how John unfolds this. He says they're still in darkness. Well, that's not too bad. I'll be honest with you. I like it pretty dark when I sleep. As long as I'm being still, that's okay. As long as I'm not going anywhere, that's okay. The reality is that those who are in darkness have no purpose. There's no direction in which they really know where to go. And John says, you're not just dwelling in darkness. He says, you're walking in it. That's when things get dangerous. We've probably had similar situations where we bump our toe on the edge of the bed or we, we, we hit something or whatever while we're trying to walk in darkness. And John is saying, that's what your life is like. He says, you're walking around in darkness. And he says, they do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. He says, hey, look, if you have no love for your brother and your sister, then apparently you do not know the Lord and you are still walking in darkness. You know, there's times where I've had conversations with people and to be absolutely honest with you, I can identify with these individuals. Especially younger people. I talk to younger people and, and they say, you know what, I, I, I love the Lord. I, I, I love Jesus. I, you know what? I'll be honest with you. All the church stuff, I, I, I don't care anything about that. I, I don't want to be a part of that. And to be honest with you, at different times in my life, I can identify with that. There's been times in my life that, hey, look, I, I, I love, I'm okay with Jesus, but all of this, I, I, don't, I don't want this. But you know what? The reality is, is that I can't walk as Jesus walked if I don't love what Jesus loved. And the reality is, is that Christ loved us enough. He loved the church enough to die for it. So you, you know what that tells me is I need to be a part of it. You cannot find a Christian in Scripture, in New Testament Scripture, that is a growing, vibrant Christian that is in a place where they need to be with the Lord that lived outside of the community or the body of believers. They did not have fellowship with a local assembly of believers. Now, 
When John wrote this, he was, write, he was writing it to a very specific community of believers. Now, as I talked last week, and we talked about the different mentalities and ideas that were swarming around these people, and they were probably being swayed one way or the other. The reality is, is that if I was so diabolically different than the other people in my community, it would be pretty difficult to love them. And John is saying, oh, if you know Jesus, you're supposed to love Him. Now, how do we apply this to us this morning? Why did God allow us to be in this passage of Scripture today? This was planned over a year ago. The truth is, is, I believe that the Lord wanted us to be reminded of the fact that we needed to love each other. And I'm standing in front of you today and I want to commend you. I want to commend you for loving your pastor. Over the past several weeks, we've been overwhelmed by what we've been going through. But I've also been overwhelmed at the fact that you loved your pastor so much. Miss Shelley has even made those statements to us about how much she felt loved. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for loving him. You know what that tells me? It tells me that you know him. You know him. Because you love one another. The other thing that I want to commend you for is the fact that you've loved Miss Shelley and their family. I, I want to thank you for that. You have. Your love for Pastor Dale has also spilled over for your, and, and you have love for them. And the way that you've treated them has truly touched their heart and, and our hearts as well. And that just tells me that you know it. But I also want to challenge you. This is what I want to challenge you with this morning. At this time, you know, yet very early yesterday morning when I found out what had happened and the fact that Pastor Dale had graduated into the presence of the Lord. For the first several hours, I'll be honest with you, I told, I told Scott later, I said, I, and, that, and we had talked on the phone a couple of times and we had done, I, you know, there was different things that were going on. I had the privilege of being able to officiate a wedding yesterday for two lovely young people that are involved here in our church and that are members of our church. So there was a lot of different things going on. And to be absolutely honest with you, for the first several hours, I was numb. There are so many things that the devil brings immediately to your mind and there's different things and I was just trying to react and do this and that and, 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 and I believe that all of us have this desire to, to try to help Michelle and them and I, I was asking Scott, just tell me what needs to be done, how we can help them and be a blessing to them and to be honest with you, I was numb. And then around 11 o'clock, I guess yesterday, somebody sent me something. And it was a song. And to be honest with you, at that moment, that's when the numbness. I was there at the house by myself. Lindsay had left for a little bit. And it hit me. 
And I was emotional. And I texted that person back and all I said was, I miss him. Miss I think that many of you have had that same experience over the past day. Where it seemed like once you got by yourself or once you took a minute to evaluate the situation, you sat there and you said, I miss him. I love him. I feel like we have a... And I told Scott this yesterday. I said, you know, I, I feel like there's people that God brings in and out of our life sometimes. And sometimes, whether it be because they move geographically or we're in different circles or whatever happens, or they pass away, we're thankful to have had those people in our life for that amount of time. We appreciate them. But then there are other people that come into our life and they totally change the trajectory of it. And when they're gone, they live a, a hole. And I said, I believe our pastor, for me, was the latter. He totally changed the trajectory of my life. And there's a hole there. And like he said, it's a Del Roach-sized hole. What I want to challenge you to do at this moment is let's just, let's just wait. Let's just settle. And let's just love Ms. Shelley and her family well. Whether you realize it or not, there were people that texted me and called me yesterday. I didn't even know they were aware of our situation. I maybe had only met them one time. And they said, we've been praying through all this. We've been, look, we've been paying attention. We've been looking at all these updates. I just want you to know, if there's anything that we can do, I want you to know that we're praying for you and that we love you. What I want you to realize is this. There are thousands upon thousands of people that have their eyes on us right now. That are paying attention and if we will love her like we should love her, and we will love one another like we should love one another, then they will know that we are His disciples. I don't know if you realize this or not, but every moment these last couple of years, all of our lives up until this moment, have been an unconscious, unconscious preparation for this moment. You may not understand this moment, but what I can promise you is this, is that God has prepared us for this moment. And in all of that, God has given us a testimony. God has given us an influence well beyond what I think many times we sit in these pews and we understand. I, I'll be honest with you. And the truth is, is that all of these thousands of people that have been touched by this situation, just as we have, they're looking at us. And the truth is, is that over the past several weeks, I've, there are other churches that we have partnerships with and that we're serving the Lord together with. And those men have called me. Those men have been texting me. I've been sending them 
updates every day. And they're waiting. And they're watching. And let's keep our testimony to them. I don't know at the moment, to be honest with you, what exactly loving Miss Shelley and their family all looks like. Maybe we'll have to have conversations about that. Maybe we'll have to pray about that and ask the Lord to help us, give us wisdom in that. But let's just settle and let's just love them. Like we ought to. The other thing is this. As we move forward, some of our minds, some of us are planners, okay? I'm a planner. I'm sorry. I want to look and I want to say, all right, this is coming and that's coming and what decision do we make here and what do we do here? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. But what I do know is that I think we need to remember what John was saying right here. In all of this, and as we make those decisions, let's love each other. And let's lean on each other. And let's show others that we are His disciples. This morning, I want to do something different. You know what? I'll be honest with you. Over the past several weeks as we've had different times of prayer and things together, I have felt the Holy Spirit of God in our presence. I felt Him even here this morning as we sang to Him and as we praised Him. And what I'd like to do is, for as many of you who would like to, I I want us to come and I want either you can pray there in your pew, but I would invite you, as many who would, to come to the altar. And we're going to dismiss in in a word of prayer this morning. We're going to have a time of prayer. Someone's going to play the piano here just for a few minutes. And let's just pray. This is what I want you to pray for. And this is what I want you to pray about. Let's pray for Pastor Dale's family. Pray that they would feel the peace of God at this moment. But let's also pray that we can be a part of that. Bringing comfort to them. Pray that the Lord would help us to know how to love them as we should love them. And the other thing is, let's just pray for our church. And let's pray for the fact that we would love one another. And that we would be a people that cares about what God says and what God wants us to do. And we would have our hearts and eyes open to that. So if you would please, if you would like to, I'm going to ask the piano player to go ahead and start playing. And we're going to come and we're going to have a time of prayer. And what I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Brother Joey at the end when he sees people finishing up, I'm going to ask him to dismiss us in a word of prayer. And that's what we're going to end with this morning. Okay? Let's pray.
there's a hole in our hearts today Lord because he loved us in such a way Lord that gave us this opportunity to grow in our faith and he, and he led us Lord and he mentored us and we're thankful for that and he will be missed and Lord we pray for Shelley pray for the family we pray Father that you'll comfort them during this time Lord we know that she's a strong Christian and that, Father, that she walks by faith. And I just pray, Father, that you'll help us to minister to her. And, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that we'll minister to each other. Lord, we are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And, Lord, we need you. And we need each other during this time. And I just pray, Father, that this would draw us closer together. 
Lord, as we walk by faith and not by sight, may we feel your presence, Lord. Lord, we say that you're our good shepherd and you carry us during times like this. And Lord, we welcome your presence today. We welcome your arms to wrap around us. And we ask, Father, that we will grow through this experience and that our faith will be enriched and that it will grow. But also, Father, may the love that you bestowed upon us will be shared throughout this world because of what has taken place here today. May we love others, Lord, like you loved us. Lord, we trust you and we thank you. So lead us, Father. God is Lord. And we are going to praise you, Father, knowing, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten Son so that we could have hope and victory during days like today. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.